everybody, welcome to Cinema Snorkel, the podcast where we dive just below the surface of movies. We talk about their worldview, we talk about their meanings, and we talk about how awesome we think they are. Now, you're listening to an episode where we might call ourselves by a different name. We launched this podcast without fully knowing what we want to call it, and so in process we called it Movie Sibs. Which, in our defense, is a pretty that's a, that's fine. name. It's a great... It's pretty good. It's okay. It's going back on the bench, and we're pulling out our A-lister. Cinema Snorkel. Whoop, whoop. Yes, this is radical rebrand. It's a totally different podcast. Totally different. From the ground up, we've re-engineered this podcast. <laughs> we asked and you told us. You wanted us to come up y- with it. You are desperate, <laughs> raving fans. Right. We're begging Calm you. Down. Please. We know you love <laughs> Please. Us. We know you we know. can't get enough. Uh, so anyways, yeah, enjoy this episode from the archives. What used to be movie sips. But that's not, not what it is. Anymore. Don't, don't. It's now together. Cinema, Cinema snorkel. snorkel. Yeah, every time we say movie sibs, bleep it out from your mind like a like a cuss word. <laughs> <laughs> okay, enjoy. Have fun. All right, all right, enjoy. Okay, bye. So, Casey, this week we are going to talk about Encanto. Would you like to give us a little baby summary for those who... Maybe it's been a minute since they've seen the full movie. Here's my baby summary. There's a grandma, but she's not a grandma yet, but she and her young husband have triplet babies. They're crossing a river. The husband gets taken out by evil people, but they pray for a miracle and a miracle arrives and the miracle is a candle, right? And it builds them a magical animated house to live in and the house gives them all powers. And so one girl didn't get any powers. Maribel. She doesn't have any powers, so she feels left out, and this is the story of her trying to find her way towards identity in the family. There's my baby summary. In a family where everyone has super awesome magical powers and they can do things like talk to animals or create flowers out of thin air, Maribel doesn't have any talent, and it's a huge heavy burden for her, but she is a champ. Like She loves her family. She's not going to let it bring them down. She's got a winning attitude. The crisis of the film is Mirabelle, one day, the house starts to crack and fall apart and lose the magic. And Bruno, who we don't talk about. Bruno's the missing uncle, who we don't talk about. He's estranged. Um, He has visions of the future. And his last vision was seemingly that Mirabelle causes the magic and the miracle to die. Or maybe that she saves the day by hugging her sister. Mm, indeed. And then shenanigans ensue. So that is our our brief summary. (laughs) Yes. So Carlin, let's just dive right in. What what did you like, first of all, just about the film? I really liked Mirabelle as a hero. She's in a really tricky situation. She has this horrible moment where she doesn't receive the gift that her family has all received and she lets them down and she doesn't know why. But she is still very generous and giving towards her family and wanting to love them and, and be a pal to her adorable little cousin. It kind of reminded me, uh, we talk about this sometimes, of like being a squib mm. at Hogwarts. Like you mm. being the only person who doesn't know where they belong mm-hmm. in a place where everyone is just awesome and, and has a, such a strong sense of identity. But what she learns as she kind of starts to dive deeper is that there's more to her family members than just their Mm. belonging, their talent that makes them a part of the family. And there's actually already before, long before the house starts to crack, 
her sisters are cracking under the pressure that maybe Abuela has put on them. Mm, yeah. Right? Do you want to describe the character of the grandma real quick? Because she's an important piece of that story. Yeah. So Abuela is, she's the matriarch of the family. Her husband died. And that's the, the critical moment when she received the miracle. She's become like a haven for the village. But she's so afraid of losing the miracle that she was given that she has a tight fist and has a, a perfect way for everyone to be. And so everyone kind of in, in love, like they love her and they want to make her proud, but she doesn't realize that her rigidity is actually hurting the family and, and keeping them from their whole selves. But in the end, she, Mirabelle confronts her pretty strongly with love and respect, but strongly points out, you are the one destroying this family. And she turns and, and realizes that that's wrong and she, um, ends up loving and accepting each family member for more than just their talent. Yeah. That was one strong theme I noticed right off the bat, is that Disney is grappling with how different Mm -hmm. generations handle conflict. And that's a pattern that I've seen repeated a lot in culture, Uh where you have sort of an elder generation, real trauma, real trauma in their lives. And they've put the stiff upper lip on it. Uh, you know, our grandparents, yours and mine, Carlin, went through stuff that we just have no appreciation for. You know, yeah. like they were, uh, our grandparents in particular, Meme and Pop, they were just like dirt poor. Worked mm-hmm. each other through engineering and nursing school. Literally ate roadkill in Alaska. <laughs> yes, they the did. Family because they had to maximize their resources. They had to do it, yeah. They've been through real hardship and their way... Mm. Uh, forward is to just sort of punch through that wall and and almost like I wonder if this song like we don't talk about Bruno I know Bruno's a guy but it's kind of like we stay the course we do it and and they've built our grandparents built an incredible world that we yeah. just inherited through no nothing we did and I know that's not the the story for everyone but whereas the younger generations are apt to find areas of discontent or conflict. We want to talk about it because we want to express our feelings. And there's something really beautiful to that as well. But I think Disney was sort of just addressing that conflict between generations. Did you see that theme? Yeah. And their solution is pressing into your family, not just putting up walls, but to press in. So Mirabelle starts to realize she has that scene where Louisa who's the strong one, when Mirabelle presses in just a few layers, she realizes that Louisa actually has a lot under the surface um, and, and this pressure. And, and the same with every character, whether it's Isabel or really all the characters, the more she presses in, the more she realizes, oh, you're the way you are because of this other thing. And she's able to bring understanding and compassion and empathy. And then when the tension is broken, they're able to relax a little bit and and be real. And the same with Abuela. She goes back to that place where she lost her husband and she says, I've I've never been able to come back here. Um, It's it's too painful for her, but but Mirabelle is able to give her the, the freedom to sink into that sadness, maybe for the first time. So I have a theory about what Mirabelle's gift actually is. With many things in this film, they, they sort of, the film itself feels very allegorical. Uh-huh. It felt heavy on the message on one level. Yeah, they clearly right. weren't just telling us a story. There's some room in there to sort of interpret like what, what is going on. And they, they actually never tell us what Mirabelle's gift is. Yeah, I was surprised. And even at, there's a moment when they lose their magic. Yeah. 
and they rebuild the house together without it. And I kind of thought, oh, I think they're never going to get the magic back, but they're going to learn that they needed it for a time, but now it served its purpose. And now they can all be non-magical together. But then at the very last minute, they all get the magic back, but not Mirabelle. So what is Mirabelle? Sucker! <laughs> what is her gift? Yeah, that's cold, Disney. <laughs> that's cold. Just leave Mirabelle. So sad Yeah, so... Okay, but, but what's her gift? My theory is that Mirabelle's gift, because she doesn't have a gift, is to just let everyone be themselves. And to mm. let down their guard mm. with her in ways that they wouldn't with other members of mm. the family. So like you see that first with Antonio, the little cousin, and they're hiding under the bed. And she is so yeah. comforting to him. Then you see it with Louisa, right? The sister of the strong girl, she cracks because mm -hmm. uh, Mirabelle's trustworthy in that. And then even Isabella. So there's these pieces of their personality that they're sort of shoving under the, under the radar, but they're allowed to be themselves with Mirabelle. And that is a better foundation for family is what the mm -hmm. film is trying to say right and right. i think that links into bruno's prophecy because he sees i think what they want you to initially think is oh my gosh does she tear the house down mm -hmm. or build it up and i think what the movie ends up saying is that she both tears it down and then builds it up so the prophecy both sides of that were true she tears down right. the idea of perfectionism in her family and performance mentality and builds it up better on a, a more authentic foundation of where you're allowed to be yourself in this family. Mm. That's really cool. Both sides of the prophecy being true. And the truth is you do have to tear some things down to rebuild. Right. And even like you said, the house gets destroyed. I mean, it gets torn down. She pulls at the thread a little bit by confronting Abuela and by bringing these things into the light that have been suppressed for so long. The magic, the cracking, all of it, we, we've got to talk about it. And the house just is incinerated. But then they build it without the magic. And when they're stripped down from their perceived identity. She strips that down a little bit and then they rebuild it together with almost more authenticity, you know? Yeah, there's a quote that I really like by a guy named David White. And he says, the price of our vitality uh -huh. is the sum of all our fears. The price of our vitality is the sum of all our fears and so I think what that means in in this context is that oftentimes the things that is gonna actually fix the problem in our hearts and in our lives means going down to the very roots the thing that we are the most afraid of huh. and needing to confront it and so I think you see that the most clearly with the grandma yeah who never went back to the river where she lost her husband well she's afraid of losing her miracle right she's terrified that if she deals with the day that everything happened or goes back and revisits that moment of trauma that she would right lose everything she's built and yet the cracks are there and she's gonna lose it anyway the thing that would give her vitality is dealing with the trauma of the past yeah wow that's not an easy lesson but i think that's exactly true and casey let's move on to our second question then if you're ready for totally that, and say does christianity agree with that yeah, well, let me ask you that question first. Reverse, reverse. Oh, now it's your turn. Wiki, wiki, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, um, batter up. How would, you, how would you answer that question? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think your quote totally, that rings true for me in my faith. Before I was a Christian, and, and many times in my life, uh, when I say before I was a Christian, I mean before I really made the decision to um, surrender my life to the Lordship of Christ, 
um, and many times after that. I feel the tension of holding tightly, so tightly to something. Maybe it's that your greatest fear, I don't want to give this up. And maybe it looks like something I desperately want or need or I think is going to bring me happiness and I feel the Lord asking me to give it up. Mm. And feeling that tension, it makes you sick to your stomach, you know, if you know in your gut. But then when you choose to just surrender it to the Lord, he adds all these things to us after. And the thing that we're so Mm. desperately afraid of losing is found in him. But you have to pass through the fire, (laughs) that moment of releasing Mm. the thing that you so desperately want. Do you feel comfortable giving a specific example of that in your life? Because that's language that I hear and resonate with. And yet sometimes putting like feet on it is hard for me. Are you thinking of an example when you say that? Yeah, I can think of several, but the one that comes to my mind is I I had a relationship one time that I kind of knew in the back of my mind, even if there's nothing wrong with this, it's wrong for me. I knew if I were to just ask myself a few more questions and answer them honestly, I would have chosen to end it. Um, But I held on and I was so afraid of being alone. I was afraid of I think it really was down to that. What it seemed to offer me was companionship and love and belonging. And I did not want to lose those things. And so rather than answer my questions honestly in my heart, I just swept them away. And I imagined locking them in a little closet in my heart and throwing away the key and just saying, if I don't ask the questions, I don't have to answer them. (laughs) But I was miserable Hmm. that way. Hmm. Yeah. There came a, a day when I realized I'm more miserable without answering the questions than I would be if even my darkest fears came true and and I had to choose to give up that relationship. And so finally I just said, I am gonna just bring it into the light. I'm just gonna ask the hard questions and whatever the outcome, I'm gonna take it because I would rather be lonely Mm. and honest than, (laughs) ironically, I would have still been lonely if I had chosen to stay in this relationship. It just would have been a darker loneliness because there would be no light. Mm. Um, and so I, when right. I released that, it was like the scent, the flooding of relief. And, and then I was finally able to receive the thing that I was so afraid of. Like, um, I think of the young rich ruler in, in the gospels and he comes to Jesus, right? And he's like, teacher, I've been, mm-hmm. I followed the law. I've done the good things. I'm an upstanding person in my community. What do I need to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, he look, well, first he looks at him with love, and then he says, go and sell everything mm-hmm. you own and give it to the poor, and then follow me. And the ruler, the young rich ruler, goes away sad because he's never going to do that. It, mm. In that moment, it's like Jesus calls him out on, can you trust that if you give up the thing you're holding so tightly, that I will supply it for you? That following Jesus is enough. Yeah, and that's that's something that I think a lot of people who have had experiences with church or Christians, they miss maybe the heart of Jesus that's mm-hmm. present in the Gospels and that you'll only really get if you read his words for yourself. The way that most Christians try to live it out can be an amazing picture of the reality of his teaching, or they can miss the mark as I do, but you'll never really know unless you read the gospels for yourself and like, just listen to Jesus in his own context, because we think of religion as sort of the grandmother's way. Do better, try harder. Mm -hmm. Yes, we've been through horrible stuff, but we're going to just, we're going to muscle through. Whereas I think the gospel of Jesus is a lot more about relinquishing 
control over those things, which in turn mm-hmm. provides, right, the vitality that we're looking for. So like the rich young ruler, like his house and his stuff wasn't bad, but his problem that Jesus could see clearly, but maybe no one else in his life could, was that this guy was white knuckling that stuff to give him the significance or the purpose. And Jesus says, essentially, the price of your vitality is the sum of all your fears. Come follow me. And I'll just say in a Christian worldview that, you know, a Disney movie could never really uh, articulate. And it shouldn't have to, you know what I mean? But in a Christian worldview, like God has both the authority and the, I want to say the joy of calling us in that way because he's God. You know, no other person can really put it to you in those stark of terms. But if God made all of us, then, you know, that's his prerogative. But it's always in our best interest. Yeah, and I, I picture the world of Encanto is so vibrant and compelling. Like, wouldn't you just love to live in that house? <laughs> totally. And Casita is almost personified as kind of the giver of the miracle. And you could almost be angry at losing the miracle when they kind of put it on the line and say, we can't go on yeah. without... Addressing the cracks. Addressing the cracks. And in the end, all of that beauty is restored in a way that's even more unshakable. And in the same way in the Christian's life, you're clinging so tightly to the thing that you want, but really it will be given to you in abundance. It's kind of the choice every Christian has. We all have to come to the place where we decide, can I trust that the giver of the miracle will restore the beauty of the miracle to me in its its richness? And I'll just say, we did leap right into these Christian themes. And part of that is because in trying to portray like a sort of a really authentic Colombian attitude, they really captured a a pretty Christian Catholic spirit of Hmm. maybe how the world is and the worldview assumptions, you know, even words like blessing and miracle. I mean, it's like not every movie's really going to do that. But Encanto lends itself immediately to those themes because it's rooted in a very Christian culture, which is Colombia. Right. Can I just take my shot at what I, what I think a Christian worldview, how it reflects on Encanto? Because all it. of these themes, Carlin, are so present and so real. And I do want to live in uh, this world. I do want to live in that house. Like, I'm a breakfast guy. And all I could think of was the breakfast that I've had in Guatemala. It really looks like that. There's flowers and you have an area inside every home that's just gorgeous and beautiful. You know, it's like, oh, oh take me back. I want to go to Latin America. I also really love that the theme of this movie was family. I just think people are hurting for that. Like extended family is and has been in human history the solution for the loneliness that so many of us feel. Mm. We're in a loneliness epidemic. You know, like a third of Americans say that they're lonely all the time or some of the time. That's insane. Mm. Family was, in a Christian sense, sort of on the base level mechanics of the world, God's answer to that, the first solution to that. Hmm. And because we've maybe chosen a society where more freedom is possible, we've also, by implication, lost out on some of the richness of family and extended family. And when you say freedom is possible, you mean things like moving across the country or moving out of the country. And you can still stay connected because we have the zoo. Totally. But we don't, our freedom comes with a a cost there. And we we don't value family like this. We just don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe we should. So I I like that they're highlighting that. But I got to be honest, Carlin, as I watch this movie, there's just one piece that that I'm wrestling with. And it's not Encanto's fault per se. Like, again, we got to let the movie just be what it is. But I, I'm hungry for some film to deal with the reality of evil. Mm-hmm. 
in how it portrays these things. And I think the message of Encanto was really good, but could have been maybe served even better by taking, and this is maybe ironic on some level, Uh taking a good hard look at actions that people choose intentionally that are evil. I looked at Hannah, my wife, after we watched this and I said, did anyone in this movie actually have bad intentions? Yeah, no. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't all, think it's so. It's misunderstandings no, and It's misunderstanding. And which, in a sense, I right. would argue that I think a lot of times that is the case, where people have good intentions but misaligned their priorities. Totally. And that is an evil. And it produces suffering. Totally. Right. Well, we're all mixed bags. We all are misunderstood. And we're all victims of, of being misunderstood. And that, that's terrible. And you're right. Like most family problems, I think, can be resolved to that. But the core of our hearts as people, and this is where a Christian worldview differs from what I imagine to be mm-hmm. a Disney producer worldview, at least right now. Like think back to uh-huh. like 2010 or whenever when Incredibles came out. Remember when Syndrome is like, I'll get you. I'll get your son. I will get your son. And then he's yeah. like sucked into the jet engine turbine. There's something really violent and like, whoa, about that. So I'm not holding that up as a standard. But, yeah. you know, we had real villains who we can understand their motivations. But nevertheless, it's clear right. that they've right. chosen evil based on that. And where I think Encanto could have strengthened their point is by reflecting the complicated reality that we're all both victims of misunderstanding and sometimes we choose mm-hmm. evil as a response. I don't want them to get too heavy-handed. I know, it's a, it's a kid's movie. Here we are, like, micro-analyzing it. Well, but actually, I think this is a macro-analysis. And I think you're right. We don't have very many villains that are truly evil. It's mostly just protagonists are misunderstood and they misunderstand each other. Yeah, and so what what I would say is, until we grapple with that, this film and the themes they're maybe trying to go for will have limited application in the real world, because I don't live in a magical house where my family is all just misunderstood. Right. I live in a regular house where, as you and I know, because we've done it to each other as little kids and as adults too, is like, because we're simple humans, I intentionally ate all the Cheez-Its, but left the last little one in there, so I didn't have to throw away the Cheez-It box. You know, like, I did that, and... (laughs) It's it's hilarious. How, how could you? And yet, and yet, well, when you're seven and there's one cheese it in the box, and you're like, "Oh, you sick," you know, like, the, <laughs> or throw all the cleaning supplies in the closet and then close the door really yeah, fast haphazardly. before they fall out. Yeah, just shove them in, shove them in, <laughs> like, like. So the next person. <laughs> It's not that I it's not that I wanted you to have that last cheese it. No, I selfishly don't. I really didn't. And those are lighthearted examples, but. Real trauma happens because people really do horrible things, even to their family members. And so in the real world, what we need isn't just clarification of misunderstanding, but forgiveness for wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can't have forgiveness until there's full acknowledgement of the wrongdoing, right? Yes. You actually shortchange forgiveness by saying, oh, there's nothing to forgive. What? (laughs) That's not forgiveness. That's just ignoring it, sweeping it away. Yeah, I want to say that they hit this better than I thought they would. So on the whole, man, I love this film. I really do. But across the board in Mm -hmm. pop culture right now, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just, I'm a little hungry for like them to deal with the real problems. And, And I'll just say it did sit a little, the grandma basically just takes the moral of this story on the chin. She was like, okay, I need to lighten up. And she handles it with grace. But I wonder if 
go with me on this because I, I this is just me shooting from the hip but there's sort of a reformist attitude among young people today that says if we were just allowed to be ourselves it would all be okay and our elders know better they've actually witnessed real evil as has the grandma in Encanto. she's the only one who's really seen uh-huh. you know the guerrilla fighters who kill a lot of people and so the young people in our world need to understand that our, our grandparents aren't just we're not just automatically right and they need to come around to our side. Right. Maybe this is a stretch, but I wonder if there's a perfectionism we can accidentally introduce into the world when we expect the world to be everyone's just misunderstood and and we could solve it by just being authentic. And when that doesn't happen, I wonder what people your age and mine, Carlin, in, in sort of our reformist era, like we want it to just be fixed and so we'll tear down institutions that that should be left standing uh in our zeal to sort of uncover that i I don't know if that makes a lot of sense but i yeah well if what's wrong with the world if what's wrong with the world is just we're misunderstood then yeah we got to just just be more authentic just unleash your your true heart and that will solve the problem but it sounds like what you're saying is that's not what's wrong with the world right what is wrong with the world? Yeah, I mean... Just to drop like a casual question, what's wrong with that the world? Is, that <laughs> is one of the major questions of worldview, and it's fascinating to watch movies handle it. Mm-hmm. And again, I think Encanto gets almost all the way there, and they don't have to say everything about everything, but what is wrong with the world is both. The Bible says sin and death. They're related in some ways, like the bad things we do create natural bad consequences and likewise things that are out of our control natural bad things you know some babies are born with a cleft palate that's what's wrong with the world and yet no one's done anything morally evil in that situation and so there's sin and brokenness and for the brokenness we need understanding and empathy which Christ gives us and for the things we intentionally do wrong we need we need to say we're sorry and we need to be forgiven I've, I've almost never seen a movie that really hits that balance perfectly. But I do think that is the balance of the real world. So in Encanto, let's picture we rewrite it in that scene where Mirabel comes to her and is like, Abuela, you're, you're the one tearing our family apart. What would you want to hear Abuela say that would answer that question for you? Oh, man. That's a big question. Mirabel... In the filmmaker's eyes, Mirabelle does nothing wrong the whole movie. She's actually just a virtuous white knight who is badly misunderstood by her family. And somehow she has both the moral high ground to correct them on their mistakes and receives, at the end, in a really touching moment, just their unconditional love. So, but I wonder if there was some element where we understood where Mirabelle... um, I don't know, Carlin. Conflict is is sometimes one-sided like that, but Well, I I don't know if I totally agree mm, with push you. Back. I think what they hint at um and it's maybe not fully articulated, which maybe if they could have clarified this a little, it would have changed it. But what I think they're hinting at is Mirabelle, you're so empathetic towards her. She's a champ. She's like so noble in the way she deals with her huge shame and disappointment of not having a place to belong. But she's gracious and loving and whatever. But she dismisses her sisters. And there is, as much as she's trying mm. not to be bitter, there is a heart of bitterness in her. Mm. Because she 
never once tries to okay. make friends with All Isabel right. or with Louisa. And the first time she does that, okay. she's surprised to learn, oh, there's more to you than just okay. you're perfect and you fit in this family. Uh, you know what? I, I buy that. I do buy that. Could we have done better? No, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I'm just going to well, say definitively I not. Mean, we're that good. Um, well, maybe I could. <laughs> I love that Thank humility. It's my best attribute. Um, Mirabelle, maybe if she had a moment, like you said, she has this moral high ground and she so that she can tell off her abuela. But maybe there could be a moment where Mirabelle apologizes to her family. Even though in the first half of the movie, you'd be like, what? She doesn't have anything right. to apologize for. They should apologize to her. But she could say, you guys... I've been judging you in my heart and I've been I've been resentful and bitter right. because of my circumstances so understandably. Right. But even I mean isn't that the way of our errors in life is yes they're understandable. They're not the standard we should be striving for and what right. Jesus asks us to be holy like he is holy. On one hand, that's an impossible ask. We can't do that. Right. And yet that is the thing that we ought to be striving for even when we are attacked or wronged or slandered or mistreated, or we miss out on something that we ought to have, to be able to turn back right. and, and have a godly, righteous response to it, that is what we're asked to do. And we fail every time. And that's what Christianity says is, the standard is impossible, but that's why there's someone who filled it for you. Yeah. Jesus is the one who not only paid for our sin, but also he lived the righteous life where he was beaten and betrayed, and yet he was able to forgive perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then in our interpersonal interactions, that means we can offer each other the unconditional love, even for things that were intentionally done to wrong us, not just misunderstandings. We, we can actually just forgive those. And we can see those moments about ourselves, call them for what they are, and just with low stakes because we're forgiven everything in God's sight. We can just say, will you forgive me and, and offer our heart in a vulnerable way? One last thing I want to say is that misunderstanding is a popular theme, I think, in culture today. But one thing that is not popular is forgiveness. Right. Actual forgiveness. I mean, forgiveness has a positive connotation, but true forgiveness will get you in trouble. Right. If you tell someone or suggest that what we ought to do is forgive the people that wrong us, people bristle right. when they hear that. Right. And yet true forgiveness involves truth telling and even truth telling where we are wronged, you know? So um, it's a tough balance to get. It's not like, uh, yeah, but on the whole, I really thought Encanto did a great job. Like where they end up is amazing. Um, and I, and I do think you're right. Those themes are there. I maybe just didn't pick up on them quite as well. So maybe on the second round. It's okay. You're not as insightful as me. Well, I don't know. <laughs> so would we recommend Encanto to people to watch? A thousand percent. Yes. In summary, I would say Encanto tells a beautiful story. It handles a really delicate theme. And it's a really good representation of some truth that our society is craving totally. and wanting to hear. But it doesn't swish the, the basketball in the basket Nice. You clearly... Uh, <laughs> it doesn't you, squish the net. <laughs> it doesn't score all the units uh, that you would hope it could score. Yeah, all the touch-ups. I mean, the... Touchbacks. Whatever. Um, um, Touchbacks. Because how can it? If you can't see the truth of the gospel, 
you can say a lot of true things, but without having Jesus on the cross um, and an empty tomb, I just don't know if you can give it the slam dunk. <laughs> there it is. There it is. That I, I would love to see. But it, it did a, a really lovely job. I think as so, far too. As just being a movie. I think so, too. Yep. Encanto, ten, 10 out of 10, 10 stars. We don't have a rating out, system. 9.5 9. out No, we don't need to rate it. Should we, we rate it? Rate There's it. A, no rating. We're no, no, here. don't rate it. No, you know what? We're not here to rate movies. That's right. We're here to just ask questions Enjoy them. about movies and see what we can learn. Great. Well, this has been another episode of Movie Sibs. Yeah. Edited, directed, and mastered by me, Carlin Leander, with Casey helping. You really hit a slam run, Carlin. You really, <laughs> you really shot. Thanks. Major points. Here. It was a birdie. It was. Uh, they had us in the first half. Not gonna lie. <laughs> All right, we better stop over.